If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature, and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors, observing the return of wonder and curiosity. Curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Do you love nature-based children's books? Well, you are going to love my new freebie. It is a compilation of many of my favorite children's books put into a library PDF where it is sectioned off into the four types of gardens. Children's books are a wonderful place to find inspiration for any lesson. I invite you to explore my nature-based children's book library and get seeds of inspiration for outdoor learning. So you can choose one or more books to complement your existing curriculum or simply scan all the nature-based books in the library for inspiration. The choice is yours. Go check it out at www.outdoor-classrooms.com and you will see it on the homepage. Jessica Labby is a program ambassador and owner of the Village Nest Cooperative in Maine. She is a forest school educator and an ambassador committed to environmental education and improving early childhood development through nature-based exploration. She holds a BA in early childhood education and worked with preschool children in the outdoors for 15 plus years before opening the Village Nest in 2020. Jessica has a passion for inspiring imaginative play and is often telling stories about unicorns and mermaids. During her time off, you can find her on nature walks with her dog Hoda, kayaking, enjoying the beach, camping, or somewhere in her garden. Without further ado, Jessica Labby. Hello, everybody. We have Jessica Labby here from Maine, and she's going to be talking about how her program is one of the one and only, at the moment, licensed all-outdoors program. So without further ado, Jessica Labby, can you tell us a little bit about how we have a whole podcast about your program, but now your program is licensed, and I would love to dig a little bit deeper on how that came to and whatnot. So I'm going to let you take it on. Amazing. Yes. So as Victoria was saying, uh, Village Nest Cooperative, the school that I run, uh, has become the very first fully outdoor child care in Maine. Uh, We are the pilot program for the state officially. And this started when we first opened. We really wanted to be licensed, but licensing, it was global pandemic and licensing didn't know what to do with us because we didn't have four walls to hold us in. So we sort of were told, okay, what, you know, we know you're there. Um, So 
operate as usual. We'll be in touch when we know what to do. Now, throughout the first three years that we were open, I touched base with licensing pretty much annually, just checking in. What do you want us to do? We're ready, whatever you guys are. Uh, And there was not much momentum. Then all of a sudden in 2022, a licensor showed up. Just unexpected, which they do. That's part of being a licensed program is that licensors show up. And she was like, we're ready for you. Can I take a tour? Can you talk to me about your program? Now, I've been in childcare in Maine for 20 plus years. So I recognized her right away. She was a licensor I'd worked with in the past. She was very excited to see me. It was great. So we started our paperwork. Um, We ended up moving from the location we were at at that point into our new home at Rate Farm in Elliott, and they continued to work with us from there. So we filled out our application. We knew there were going to be certain things that we didn't do that indoor schools do, and we knew that there would be things that we'd have to apply for waivers for because we didn't have access to that, such as hand washing and going to the bathroom outdoors. That looks very different. So we knew we were going to have to make some adjustments and licensing in Maine has been great. So we worked with them. We asked a lot of questions. What does pass licensing? What doesn't pass licensing? And we finally came to some agreements about what worked and what didn't work. It involved a lot of creative thinking on both my part and the part of our licensing agent and all of my staff. They've been incredibly helpful with all of this. Um, And we got it done in September of 2023, just this last year. And we just, before winter break, had our three-month licensing inspection. So we're very excited. This has been a long time coming. Um, And in March, we'll expect our licensor back for our six-month inspection as well. That's incredible. So your program does not have any walls. You are all outdoors. Fully outdoor program. Fully outdoor program. And again... I remember when we did our tour and talk, you had kids in hammocks with sleeping bags. I mean, they do, you are outside. We are. We do have some uh, structures for storing things. We do have what we call a potty shed, which is our outdoor bathroom. And we have a, an emergency shelter building. So if there's unexpected weather or, a situation with an animal or any various situation that can happen outdoors, we have access to a shelter. It's not heated. It doesn't have water. It is just a structure that we can go into for safety. Mm -hmm. Other than that, we are outside all day long, regardless of the weather. And if the weather is unsafe, we're closed that day. So with the licensor, who's usually goes into indoor programs and whatnot, what was that like for the two of you? What was that conversation? What was... What was, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Could you tell us a little bit about what that conversation was like? Yeah. So the first day that they came, it was a very, very structured visit. I knew they were coming a month in advance 
And it wasn't just our licensor. Her boss also came because she was like, I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm not really sure. And I'm sure I'm going to have questions that you and I won't be able to answer, but my supervisor should be able to, or she'll be able to get the answer for us. So I had our licensor and the licensor's supervisor at the visit that day. They were at our center for three hours. They went over everything while they were there. It was a very thorough investigation. We had a great time talking about various things that could go wrong, what our plans were in those situations. The conversation was very fluid. It was me asking questions, them asking questions, coming up with solutions together, trying to figure out what was going to work and what wasn't going to work. One of the big questions that we all had was outdoor toileting. Mm -hmm. This is something that parents ask. It's something that all of our staff asks. It comes up every single time I talk to someone about my program. So we had a few options. We could install a composting toilet, which would inevitably mean cleanup. And having to get a giant truck into the forest to clean out our composting toilet, we decided that was maybe a little too expensive and wasn't going to work for us. There are outdoor privies. We could have done something like that. But again, the cleanup, getting someone into the forest to get it cleaned up, it would have been very hard to make that a reality. So we did a lot of research. Um, we meaning me, and I figured (laughs) out that we could use composting toilet bags, um, which says a composting toilet, but it isn't, it, the composting happens when the waste goes to the dump. So we got these specialty bags from uh, Reliance Double Duty. I love the name. (laughs) So silly. (laughs) And they have a special composting gel in the bottom of the bag and it breaks down everything organically. And then the bag breaks down and it breaks down everything in the dump around it. It's a very fascinating process. Uh, So we call, you know, we had to call the environmental protection agency and make sure this would be okay. We had to call several other agencies throughout the state of Maine to make this happen. And everyone was like, yeah, you know, I don't see why that would be a problem. That sounds great. So we had to get a variety of letters each step of the way to figure out, okay, this is safe. This is not safe. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. We'll get permission from these people. So the the file was sort of like two inches thick on just wow. outdoor toileting, but we figured it out together. We worked together on this. You know, I came up with the idea But then I had to reach out to licensing to present the idea. They had to tell me who I needed to get in contact with and what permissions I needed to get. And then from there, we applied for a waiver to licensing for this process, which was approved. With all of the research we put into it, it was approved. Oh, my goodness. I have so many questions. So just going back, the actual toileting. So are they... I mean, I hate to say, <laughs> How do, what is that like for the children? What, yeah. what do they have to do? So we have these adorable little outdoor potties. It's just, mm. you know, portable camp toilets, essentially. And the bag goes in, it's a liner. So it goes inside the toilet bucket. And then they use the toilet like a regular toilet. 
Oh, and after two or three uses, we tie up the bag, we throw the bag into a trash bag, and then the bag goes into the dumpster at the end of the day. So it's sort of just like so it's not regular like toilet without flushing. That's brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. So then my next question is, so you're dealing with all this license, licensing, and do you feel like it takes away from the creativity? Like you just sort of can't. Do you feel like, oh, my goodness, licensing is going to come or I can't do this because it might not pass mustard? Or do you feel like there's any restriction? But it doesn't sound like it sounds like it's a very fluid experience. I'm really glad you asked this question. No, it does not ruin the experience at all. If anything, it has made our program better. Mm. Licensing is there to protect us as child care providers. That is their number one job. Obviously. The second part of that number one job is keeping the children safe, but they're there to protect us as child care owners as well. That's why the rules are in place. It's so that we are able to provide a safe environment for these children and families. So I've never felt like it puts a damper on our creativity or it affects the way that we run our program. If anything, it's just made policies more clear. Mm. It's made our program run more smoothly because we know what's expected of us every day. And it's made me, as the owner, really think about policies and procedures and what is going to keep everyone happy, healthy, safe, those are our priorities. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. No, because I think a lot of educators, directors, uh, like they have this sort of love-hate relationship with licenses. Like, oh, here they come. And it's like, oh, we got to sort of, but it's, but you're really, the your mindset around it is incredibly uh, informative and healthy and, and, and a, in a partnership. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, any anything else you can say about this process, how, encouraging other programs and sure. what your teachers think? And are they all on the same page? I'm sure they are. It feels like they're all on the same page because the way you're presenting it is is so positive. Yeah, it's been great for us. So it's made me realize a few things. One, the importance of why. When mm-hmm. somebody tells you you can't do something, why? Why can't I do it that way? Asking that question then prompts them to think about the reasons why they're telling you now and gives you the ability to then challenge that decision. And not in an aggressive way, but a way that makes everyone happy with the ultimate decision. So we asked why a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why can't we do it that way? And then I was able to then say, okay, if we can't do it that way, could we do it this way? This doesn't directly go against what you just told me the reason why. So are we able to do it this way? And if we're not able to do it this other way, why? So I can continue to brainstorm until we come up with that compromise. Why is the most important question in the world. And we have two-year-olds all day asking us why as educators, right? Why? 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 So then it prompted my staff when I said that to them to then start answering those whys a little bit more carefully and thinking about them. Mm. So as a staff, we've grown just based on this one thing that we realized, you know, why is important? Why is the most important question so that we can come up with a good plan for everybody? The other piece 
what has made us so excited about being licensed is the endless amount of resources that come along with being licensed. Oh, interesting. There are so many resources. I don't know about Massachusetts and New Hampshire, but I'm pretty sure they have similar programs. Maine has a program called Child Development Services, and their entire job is to help children who are developmentally delayed or may need an evaluation for various areas of development, and they come to your program work with that child in the classroom, work with the teachers, work with the parents, and give you the resources that you need to make sure that student has the highest quality of care possible. It's been amazing getting CDS back involved in our program. We have several students who now have access to speech services and occupational therapy and psych evaluations that they so desperately needed. It has made our families' lives so much easier as well because we're able to prompt that evaluation. They don't have to do anything. We set it up for them. All we have to do is say, hey, this is what we think. Would you mind if we get an evaluation for you? And then CDS in the school takes everything over. Parents don't have to stress about it. All they have to do is send their child to school every day like they usually were. That's it. So CDS is a great and invaluable resource to us. Maine also has a wage supplement program for early childhood educators. So every single one of my staff that qualify, we get money back every month from the state just for them showing up to work. That's all they have to do. And that has been, we've been able to give raises and bonuses this year based on how much training they've accomplished, where they are in their degree. For some of my employees who are getting their degrees, we've been able to use that money in a way that, and and will continue to use that money in a way that will benefit the school in the long run. And those are just two. I mean, Maine's working on a bunch of legislation right now for early child care and One of them is this great health insurance initiative for early childhood educators that employers should be able to tap into sometime this year. Hopefully, we're crossing our fingers that Mm -hmm, it gets passed mm -hmm. in legislation. But there's also just so many other resources, and our licensor has become my hero. Every time I have a question, I just send an email, and she gets back to me before the end of the day. She has helped me revamp all of our policies It's been amazing working with them. So endless resources, endless, endless resources. I just just because you're licensed, just Just because because you're licensed. That's it. And it's and and that you chose to go down this path. Yep. Yep. Wow. So I mean, there were a couple of challenges. Definitely, we had to figure out because all of our files were digitalized. We had to figure out where to put paper copies for when the licensure shows up at our school. So that was a little complicated. We had to apply for a waiver for hand washing because we wash our hands with cold water or room temperature water instead of hot water because we don't have running hot water. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the winter, we had to come up with a plan for hand washing as well. So that was exciting. We came up with this (laughs) coffee air pot system for washing our hands and the water stays warm all day long in the air pot so they're able to wash their hands still and just a variety of other things that we just weren't hadn't been thinking about before and now we have these policies and procedures and it works so well (laughs) 
That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, really every facet of, of an outdoor program and, and them not really not knowing what to do with you and that you were sort of there and that you were, you kept sort of saying, yes, yes, we're here and we are, we want to be seen and, and, and we want to be licensed and not being, a, a, you know, running the other direction saying, no, 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 we want to keep it this sort of freedom, whatnot, but being uh, a part of this whole world of licensing, it's it's incredible what, what it's also opened up for you. Are there any other things that a lot of ed- parents, the bathroom, bathrooming outdoors, um, anything else, the running water that I know there's a lot of programs out there, like I don't, they, they see those as mountains and, or roadblocks that they can't sort of move forward with even going outdoors. Are there any other examples that you can share that um, were roadblocks that now <laughs> are working? Yeah, I mean, I think we, so we had already done a lot of the things prior to licensing that would have been roadblocks to other programs, like eating outdoors. We have benches that the children eat at so they can sit on the ground with their legs underneath the bench. And our facilities manager built these with just logs and slabs of wood for the kids. So outdoor eating has always been something that's been brought up to my attention. And we've always been like, uh, you know, we just built this really simple thing mm-hmm. and the kids are able to sit underneath it and eat like they're at a table. Some, some people say heat in the winter, which totally understand. Some people are not outdoor people in the winter. And I get that we have a very strict gear policy of what the children have to be wearing every day. And I also, my staff have gear stipends, so I help pay for their gear. Mm. Um, They also have what's called Outdoor ProLink, which is a professional deal for outdoor educators and anyone in an outdoor profession. And basically what that is, is it's a website that, that the owner of the program can subscribe to as a benefit for their employees where the employees get deep professional discounts on a variety of outdoor gear. So our my employees love that. Some of them use theirs for Christmas gifts this year. They were wow. very excited to get their friends and families Christmas gifts for being outdoors because that's something we're all very passionate about. We also have tapped into a variety of programs for our families for discounted gear, Most outdoor gear companies have a scholarship program of some sort for children in outdoor programs. So I encourage you to reach out to those outdoor companies because they are willing to give you wholesale discounts to just market their products. All I have to do is tag them on Instagram and Facebook so that their products are being seen multiple times a a week in some cases Mm -hmm. and they offer us these amazing discounts on their products for families so heat is a big one rain is another one and again we just tapped into that with the outdoor gear deals Mm -hmm. very important what you wear outside is so important and other than that those are those have always been the big ones other than that we don't we get a lot of questions about our curriculum but that's we have a child-led emergent curriculum we don't have pre-scripted curriculum for Mm -hmm. our students that's not our thing we are play-based we want the children to do what they want to do 
as we all know, children do not get enough choices in their little tiny worlds. They're told where they have to be, when they have to be there, (laughs) what they have to do on a daily basis. So the majority of our day is play-based. They get to choose. They get to make those decisions. Other than that, we don't get a lot of questions about um, how to make an indoor program work outdoors because it's the same. We do all the same things. We do all the same. Does the licensing affect your, or did it affect your curriculum? Did they look at your outdoor, it was more the structural or did they have an impact on the way that you were teaching or? They did not. Um, Maine is extremely progressive in their thinking for early childcare curriculum. We have what's called MELDS, uh, Maine Early Learning Standards, and we hit all, we check all the boxes yeah. with our play-based curriculum. As most people already are aware, play-based curriculum is there because it does check all the boxes, and because as a child is playing, they are learning, and studies have shown play is a child's learning. That is how they learn. So we didn't have any problems with our curriculum or learning objectives at all. That's incredible. Anything else with licensing that you would like to, that we have not talked about that, that you'd like to share with our community? Yeah, sure. Uh, One thing I will mention, and this is something I'm very passionate about. I'm working with lots of other outdoor schools in the area Um, and throughout the state of Maine. In the state of Maine, it is legally required that if you are caring for more than two children, you are licensed as a child care provider. Most people don't know this, or if they do know this, they choose to ignore it. It is legally required. If you're caught, there is a fine. There's a lot of things that go into it. And it really doesn't need to be an if you're caught situation. It's Mm -hmm. not hard to get licensed. It takes some time. There are some tedious pieces, but it is worth it in the long run. And it's just better to just do it, get it over with, and then go from there. And why Mm -hmm. is it that people take that if you're caught or I don't want to deal with licensing? What do you think that block is for people, that for educators or directors or, or people like yourself? Or other folks that are thinking they're the bad guys. What do you think that block is? So we're given this book of guidelines, right? This guidelines from the state of Maine. And this book is intimidating. It's over 100 pages. There's a lot of information in the book. There's a lot of regulations. And people automatically assume there's no way my program is going to meet all of these guidelines. And that isn't true. You're likely meeting the guidelines without even knowing it. And if there are things that you're not doing in your program that need to happen in order to meet the guidelines, it's usually just such a small tweak that it will take you maybe a day to finish. And then once that policy, procedure, whatever it is, is in place, it's there forever. These are not things that have to be changed regularly. These are not things that you have to do every single day. It's usually just something that takes one day a month of a little bit of extra work. 
and gives you so many benefits. Mm-hmm. But that handbook, that that licensing guideline book is so intimidating at first, especially if you're a new child care provider or if you are an early childhood educator who is not a director already and then you're given this guideline book when you want to start your own program. It seems like a lot, but it's not. I promise it's not. And it's yeah. so worth it. It just seems like a lot. It seems like a really big deal. But it's fear. Then it, then the fear sets in and then it's yes. sort of the fear of the unknown. And it's sort of this, then the monkey minds go, oh, I, you know, then they become the enemy as opposed to what you're saying so beautifully and eloquently is that they are, they are our partners mm-hmm. and that, yes, it may be the booklet may be fearful. It may be intimidating. I love that word. Mm-hmm. Um, but to not run from that, that it's actually, let's embrace it. Let's open the book. Let's read the book together uh, and even in in this community, how can we read these guidelines together to 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 make them familiar uh, and and work together on that? I love I love that, and I love and again, it's going to be a little bit different for each state mm-hmm. and what the requirements are for each state and what that's considered. But it what 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 a leader in Maine! So it's <laughs> it's exciting. It is, you know. So the first year we're under a provisional license is the pilot program. So we will be visited every three months for a site inspection. Normally, it's between every six months to a year, but this year we'll be visited four times by licensing, and so far we've gone through two of the four times. We'll have another visit in March and then probably in July, and then we'll have to renew our license come September. So that will be our one-year mark. And once we renew our license in September, we will not have to renew our license again for another two years. Hmm. And our licensor will come maybe once, maybe twice over the two years. But the first year in our pilot program will be visited multiple times just to make sure we have everything in check. And it's more informational for both the licensor and for us at those visits you know, when she came for our three-month mark, she was like, I just need to check X, Y, and Z. She was very prepared. She had her list. We checked everything. She went through our first aid kit. She checked that paperwork was out where it was supposed to be. It was very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we get to that one-year mark, we are already going to be just a licensed program in the state of Maine. Wow. This is the time, outdoor educators, this is the time to get that license application in because they are willing to work with us. They want to hear what we have to say and they're thinking outside of the box right now. So we need to encourage them to continue because we're going to continue whether or not we're licensed. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, that is apparent with all of the programs I'm working with currently. And so, do you feel like nature-based education and, and these four schools and outdoor programs, fully outdoor programs, are changing the mindset of licensures? Like, do you, how do you, what do you think is happening on their end? In multiple conversations with our licensor and her supervisor, they are so excited mm-hmm. to be able to offer such a unique experience in our state. They love what we're doing and what we stand for. There already there are already programs in the state of Maine that have indoor spaces that are outdoor programs and are licensed. So 
they've already had some experience with this and I've worked at at least one other program that was like that. We had an indoor space, but we also were mostly outdoors and they've worked with us for years. But right now there's this shift, there's this change happening and they're starting to come up with guidelines specifically for outdoor schools. And what they're doing is using outdoor schools like ours as a pilot and as a quality standard measure for care outdoors. So right now we're changing the way licensing thinks by giving them resources. Mm. We're showing them how it's done successfully so that they, when they do come up with these guidelines, which is going to happen just like in Washington state and in Maryland and Vermont. I mean, we all say Washington state was the first, but truly Vermont has been doing this all the time. Like this has been, Vermont was the true first. It just was the standard of care in Vermont. So it never, it never rose to a point where they had to have a pilot program because it was always like this. So these states already have it figured out. Maine is up and coming. Massachusetts has some great legislation coming for outdoor educators. It's exciting to see the movement growing. Maine also has some amazing groups, advocacy groups, and I'm part of three of them currently for outdoor educators. (laughs) What are their names? So there's Nico, and I'm part of the (laughs) public (laughs) M-E-E-C-O, Maine Eco. I'm part of the public policy and advocacy group for that. And we're basically working right now on how to help licensors license programs like ours. What do they need from us? What? How can we support them? That's our one goal. Um, there's the Nature-Based Education Consortium. I just joined their nature-based equity program. So essentially, how do we make forest schools and nature-based education more equitable for students who can't afford it? Very excited about what they're working on right now. I get to go to Augusta on Monday to meet with them and we're going to start our year off great on wow. how we're going to advocate. And then there's just Maine AEYC, so Maine's version of NACI. Miko is under that umbrella, but they also have other environmental education programs and groups. That's been amazing to watch. And then there's like smaller programs like Maine Gearshare and other programs that are just trying to get gear into outdoor gear mm-hmm. into the hands of children, adults, people who want to be outside but can't afford to in all varieties of weather. I'm just I'm so obsessed with how much we're working on this right now. It's oh amazing. my god, that's just yeah. and it's such an incredible. I mean that you're just one state and you're one person in one state and you are connected to all of those additional uh, groups and uh, organizations that are doing a variety of different focused and and inside outside. I forgot about inside outside. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So really and truly uh, an example of any of you that are listening to today's podcast episode and thinking about uh, you, where you are in your state and searching for those other organizations. And again, also thinking about the circle membership and 
and how we're bringing all of that together in in our community. So uh, any additional thoughts and uh, stories or anything you else want to share regarding licensing as we close up? I think the the final note, and this is something, (laughs) this is also really exciting. If you're a parent or an educator and you are looking for nature-based programming in your area, regardless of what state you're in, log on to the Natural Start Alliance website and click on their map. Mm-hmm. The map has every nature-based education program right there. You can type in your zip code. It will tell you what programs are close to you. And you can click, go onto their websites. Usually they're linked. You can give them a call, find out if they're hiring or if they have any spaces. Utilize that resource. It's a great program. And they're also going to have an amazing conference later this year for nature-based educators. So make sure to check that out. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. I'm so happy to be here. I am thrilled you are here. And again, you have another uh, episode on the podcast that talks about your whole, the in-depth version of uh, tour and talk of your program. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for today and your time. I know you're so busy. And and I, I especially want to thank you for all the work that you have done, inc- incredible work that you have done to move us forward in this nature-based education uh, and outdoor classroom world. So again, thank my you. My pleasure. Honestly, it's been a wild ride and I wouldn't have it any other way. This is so important. Thank you, Jessica. (laughs) Thanks, Victoria. Thank you for joining us here at the Outdoor Classrooms podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anybody who you think would enjoy it and follow us on Instagram. We'd love to continue the conversation. If you want to continue the conversation even deeper, please join us in the Circle community. The purpose of the Circle is to support, guide, and push you as you continually grow and sustain your outdoor classroom by providing the tools to help you set the right goals, then actually follow through in achieving those goals with the support of our amazing community. Each month, 24-7, you get guidance and support from myself. You get to begin your journey with our new member roadmap. You get access to our outdoor teaching boot camp. You get to interact and learn from guest experts who are on our podcast. They come into our membership and join us to continue the conversations. You get to connect and collaborate during two live sessions a month. You get access to all our online workshops and masterclasses. You get get to dig deeper with our membership missions each month and you get to become an ambassador of joy for children. I hope you can join us at Outdoor Classroom. I will share the link in the show notes and we'll see you later. Come join us.